Happy Easter, everyone. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Can you do me a favor? If, uh, if there are some chairs next to you, uh, could, could you... We've, listen, we've brought in all the chairs that we could, and we still have people standing in the back. So if there are chairs next to you... Now everyone in the front goes and looks in the back. Is he telling a lie? There are really people standing back there? There's any chairs next to you. Could you do me a favor? Could you squeeze, uh, squeeze in, uh, move to the middle? Uh, this, is a, this is a great problem to have. This is a great problem to have. Uh, and as you do that, go ahead, tell your neighbor, happy Easter, happy Resurrection Day. Tell them what you're doing after service. Invite them over to your house if you want to. Like, we're just here to have a good time celebrating the risen Christ this morning. Well, if you've never been here before, my name is, is Adam Harold, and my beautiful wife, Tanya, that's way out of my league, and I lead this, this church, this community called The Refuge together. We do it as a team. Uh, I couldn't do it without her. She couldn't do it without me on most days. And, uh, and if you're new here, just like uh, the news said, um, there's a card in front of you, underneath the seat in front of you. If you just fill that out, I want to send you a card in the mail to say thank you for being here. And everyone knows on Easter, the, the Tuesday after Easter, because I try to take Mondays off, but the Tuesday after Easter, my hand hurts because I've written so many cards. I promise you, if you, send out, if you uh, fill out a card, I will send you a card in the mail to say thank you for spending Easter with us. It's not taken lightly. You could have gone anywhere this morning and you came here. You could have stayed in bed and uh, you came here. So uh, we, we definitely don't take it lightly. Um, how many of your parents or your moms, your grandparents, whoever you, you were raised with, how many of them got out a ruler a certain time of the year, or maybe it was every six months, every three weeks, they got out a ruler and they got an, an ink pen because a pencil wasn't permanent, got an ink pen and they had you stand in the same place every single year and they measured your growth. Anybody's parents do that? Just mine? All right, good. All right. So, so my mom did that. Uh, the problem was we, we moved around a lot, so we couldn't keep track of my progress very often uh, this year. Oh, darn. That was in the last house. Um, so my siblings, too. Everyone would line up, and we would track our progress. Well, this morning, we're beginning a new series that will go for five weeks that we're talking about the spiritual growth chart. The spiritual growth chart. And what we're doing is we're standing up against the wall with a ruler and a pen. And we're, everyone's not going to stand up next week with a ruler. You're, you guys are like, I'm not coming back to that church. They're going to stand me up next to the wall. That's, that's not what we're doing. But we're, we're doing it where we sit. We're asking ourselves, where am I at on this spiritual journey of life? There's a lot of, there's a lot of belief and there's a lot of theories, but because we're a church that believes in the risen Christ, we believe that the Bible is God's word. We believe that Jesus really existed. And so we're sharing in this next five weeks the growth of every person spiritually. Hopefully this morning you'll stand and you'll, you'll examine yourself and you'll Ask yourself, where am I at on this journey, the spiritual journey of life? Because there's a physical journey of life. We're all on that. 
But where are you on the spiritual journey of life? There's five phases, so it's a five-week series. Uh, we'll have a couple interruptions during it, but we'll get through it, I promise. Um, the five phases that we're going to talk about, we're starting with phase number one this morning, the spiritually dead. And so for the rest of our time, I'm going to talk about what it means to be spiritually dead. Next week, we're going to talk about what it means to be a spiritual infant. And, uh, and then the following week, we're going to talk about what it means to be a spiritual child and then a, a, an adult, a young adult. And then finally, the last phase, the parent. Our goal is that everyone at the Refuge Church would be spiritual parents. But how many of you, and I'm, I'm going to spoil, spoiler alert, what does it take to, to be a parent? Well, you have to reproduce. And so we're going we're gonna to get there. But this, this morning we're talking about what it means to be spiritually dead. Uh, I want to give you a definition, if I can. Spiritually dead people in this, in this phase have not yet accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior to make him the king of their heart. They may completely reject God. They may be seeking God. They even may be spiritual. Some of you may be in the room and you may be spiritual, but you haven't given your heart to Jesus. You may claim to know God. You may even believe in God. The Bible says that even the devil and his angels believe in God. So what's the difference? Well, in reality, people that are spiritually dead are their own God. They are their own God. And 100% of all people conceived, like not, not even born, just conceived 100% are spiritually dead. Spiritually dead. And so I want to share with you where this comes from in God's word. I want to share with you um, some hope in it. I believe there is some hope in it. And, and we want to face the reality that 100% of the of people in, in, in the room have a spirit inside of them. For some, it is dead. For some, it is alive. And hopefully before we leave today, you'll know if your spirit is dead or alive. Genesis chapter 1, to figure out why we have a spirit, we have to go all the way back to the beginning. And so um, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Genesis chapter 1. It's really easy to find. It's the first chapter in the Bible, right? By the way, has anyone ever noticed that you stop, like, like at some point along your journey, your mom stops measuring you? Like, is it because we stop growing? We don't stop growing. We just start growing in a different way, right? Other, other directions. Uh, I had to tell that joke anyway. But um, some of you guys are like, yeah, I, I measure my biceps then. Um, Genesis 1.27 says, so... God created, by the way, if you want to follow along with our notes, they're in the YouVersion Bible app, um, our screen. Uh, I'm throwing our pro presenter person a curveball, but um, you, she can put that up there and tell you how to get to our, our notes. Um, all right, now we can go back to Genesis 1.27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And so 
The Bible teaches that God created the heavens and the earth. And some of you guys, some of the people in the room might be like, yeah, that's where you lose me. I believe in evolution or I believe in other things and I believe in other ways that we're all here. And it's foundational. But if you believe what God says, then you have to believe that every person is created with three parts. Because God was, God has three parts. We call it the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, because he's made, in, or because he is in three parts, he's created all men to also be in three parts, except men aren't Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Some people think they are. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But people are... Body, soul, and spirit. We all have a body, soul, and spirit inside of us. A hundred percent. For some, the spirit is dead, and for others, the spirit is alive, is what the scriptures teach us. Now, how do you know if you're, and, and, and why? why? Why are our spirits why do some have a spirit that's dead and others not? Genesis, so flip the page to Genesis chapter 2. And it says in verse 15, The Lord God took man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but the tree of knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. Don't eat. You can eat any tree in the garden. In fact, you can eat of every single one of them except that one. And some of your parents in the room go, oh, that's why my kids like to touch what I tell them not to. Right? And so keep reading. But the tree of knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for the day that you eat it, you shall surely die. Now, we all know what happened because we know the story of, of Adam and Eve. They ate the fruit. Spoiler alert, again. They ate the fruit. But in that moment, they didn't die Physically. They died spiritually. You can't see it. And so many people struggle with the spirit because you can't see it. But you can feel it. And that's why so many people walk in this earth lost, trying to figure out why is it that I can't figure out life? It's because your spirit is dead. The spirit is dead. And Romans chapter, uh, Romans chapter, uh, I'm, I'm looking for it in my notes here. Romans chapter 3, 23. It says, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. So what happens when Adam and Eve eat the fruit? 100% of mankind come from Adam and Eve because that's the way procreation works. We come from something. We all have to come from something. And so because we come from Adam and Eve, because they ate of the fruit, because they sinned, 100% of mankind 
has also inherited the cost of their sin, which, what was it? We read about it. It was death. The cost of our sin is death. This wasn't God's plan. This was not God's plan. His plan was that we would be perfect. His plan was that we would obey him. But he loved us enough. He loved Adam and Eve enough in the garden to give them a choice to obey him or not to obey him. And we still, to this day, he loves us enough to give us a choice. He's loved you enough to give you a choice. But the choice, choices have consequences. And for those that don't choose to put their faith in Jesus, this is why we exist as a church. To tell people that there's, there's a consequence for choices of not putting your faith in Jesus. And that consequence is that your spirit remains dead. Because we all have one. We all have one. Pastor Adam, I thought the soul and the spirit were the same. Aren't the soul and the spirit the same thing? Well, according to God's word, they're different. I'm going to show it to you in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing the division of what? Soul and spirit. The joints and the marrow. And discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. The soul and spirit are different. And the word of God is powerful enough to divide the two. To show us what's soul and what's spirit. That's why we have to believe that the word of God is true. And when you believe that the word of God is true, you believe it. Not in the flesh, but in the spirit. In fact, that's one of the reasons why so many people struggle with some of the things that the word of God has to say. Because the spirit is dead inside of them. And if the spirit is dead inside of them, how do they live? The Bible puts it according to the flesh. And so when we live according to the flesh... What happens is we live according to how our flesh feels. Does this make sense to you? Like, sometimes I study God's word and I go, this makes way more sense than people make it sound like. Like, it makes way more sense than, it, than people make it, like people want to make the gospel complicated. It's not. It's simple. The resurrection of Jesus resurrects the spirit inside of us. That's why we celebrate. That's the best news ever. And so if I had one big idea today, I always I like to preach with one big idea, one thing to communicate. Because if I boil it down to one thing, then hopefully you take home one thing. It's this. Jesus conquered death physically 
so that you can conquer death spiritually. Jesus conquered death physically so that you can conquer death spiritually. That is reason to celebrate. That's why we celebrate. That's why we sing about dry bones rattling. Because our spirits can come back to life with the power of the resurrection. But he couldn't get to the resurrection without the cross. Where he paid the price of death. He took on death so that he could come back to life and conquer it. That's how you conquer things. You face it head on. Some battles you win and some battles you lose. Jesus faced death head on and he came out victorious so that our spirits can come back to life inside of us. Ephesians chapter 2, the Apostle Paul puts it this way. We read this this scripture last week, I think I'm going to read it every Easter from now on. It is so good. It says, verse 4, But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us. God loves you so much. He loves you so much. Even when we were dead in our trespasses. You know what that word trespasses means? It means sin. Wrong. The wrongdoing. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised us up with him, seated us with him on, in heavenly, heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Verse 7. So that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us. In Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. It is not of your own own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of your good works. Your good works, the good things you do, how you treat your neighbor in the best possible way could never be good enough to save your spirit, to save your soul. It could never be good enough to revive the spirit that's dead inside of you. Not a result of work so that no one can boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. I love Ephesians chapter 2, because it talks about the grace of God that saves us. But it happens through faith in him. And it's when we put our faith in him that our spirit comes back to life and changes us. I don't know who taught you that when you come to Jesus, you all of a sudden have to have a bunch of rules to follow and a bunch of laws, and a bunch of do's and don'ts, thou's and thou shalt nots. I don't know who taught you that because it's not from God's word. Have you ever been to a funeral 
and the dead man stand up out of the casket and walk out? Yeah, I haven't either. But I imagine if he did, he'd be doing cartwheels on the way out. He would be running and shouting and saying, I was dead and now I'm alive and I'm here to stand and tell you that you can do the same. That's the power of the gospel because every time a person puts their faith in Jesus, the spirit that was dead is now alive again. And I know that in a crowd this size, there are still questions. Hard questions. Questions that you may have started asking yourself 10 minutes ago. But Pastor Adam, if every person is dead, every spirit is dead when they are conceived, what does that mean for the baby that I lost with a miscarriage? What does that mean for the ch my child that was walking across the street and struck by a vehicle and didn't make it? What does that mean for the person that is so mentally handicapped that they can't make a choice to put their faith in Jesus? If their spirit is dead, where do they go? What happens to them? And I thank God that his word answers the hard questions. There's a story in the Old Testament. It's in, it's in 2 Samuel. Chapter, uh, chapter 12 is the conclusion of this story. It's, it's, it's a couple different chapters. It's about a guy by the name of King David. King David was, can I just say, King David was a, was a rotten human being. I believe until this moment. I believe it was in this moment that he repented of his sin and changed his life forever. But it didn't come without difficulty. You see, David saw a beautiful woman one day at her house. He was the king. So he said, hey, I think she's beautiful. Bring her here. She comes to his house. She, he finds out that he, she's married to a man in his, in his army. But he sleeps with her anyway. And then he has her husband killed in battle. Like, Terrible. This is in this is in Second Samuel, the, in the Bible. Bathsheba gets pregnant. God sends a prophet by the name of Nathan to David's house, and he confronts him for his sin. Nathan tells him the cost. For your sin is the baby will die. And he tells him a few other things, but this is for today. The baby's going to die. And 
I believe when David's baby died, God gave David a revelation that we would need to hear today to help us answer our questions. Verse 23 of 2 Samuel 12. But now he is dead, David says, talking about his baby. Why should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I shall go to him, but he will not return to me. I believe what he's saying is I will see him again in heaven someday. I can go to him, but he can't come to me. I believe that we needed to hear that because we know so many people that have had miscarriages. I think there's another place in Scripture that Jesus himself addresses children. It's in Matthew chapter 18, verse 1 through 4. It says, At that time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And calling to him a child, he put him in the midst of the three of them and said, Truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. You know one reason why I think he used children to enter the kingdom of heaven? Because kids have an innocence about them that gets them into the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom. We all know that that kids have an innocence about them, but we also know that there comes a moment in their time where their innocence is lost. And let me just say right here that that's why what's going on in our culture right now is a big deal because it's robbing kids of their innocence. And it's forcing them to confront the spirit that is dead inside of them at an age that they shouldn't be held accountable for. But the spirit's dead. And it must be born again. And so Jesus has a conversation with a religious man in John chapter 3. A religious man by the name of Nicodemus. Nicodemus comes to Jesus at night because he's embarrassed to go to Jesus to have his religious questions answered. Because he was was a, a... like, he was a religious leader. He should have all the answers. So he goes to Jesus at night. And I love the conversation because do you know that Nicodemus never asked Jesus a question? Jesus just goes straight at it. He just goes straight to the heart. Because God knows the hearts of all people. Spirit dead or not. He knows your heart. He created it. I, I don't know how this works, but the closest way that this shows up every Sunday is we'll leave here in about, in about 10, 15 minutes. We'll leave here, 
And some of you will come up to me afterwards and you'll go, man, I don't know how you did that, but man, everything that, you, everything that I was thinking, you talked about. In fact, when I was wrestling with it on my way in, you got up and you talked about it. Listen, all I do is put myself out here to be a voice of God. And when the spirit is alive inside of you and you listen to his voice, he gives you things that people need to hear that he's dealing with in their hearts. And maybe that's what he's doing to you. He did it with Nicodemus. Verse 3, Jesus answered him. Again, Nicodemus had not asked the question. Jesus answered him, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. I hope that when we walk out of here this morning, that you will have a better understanding of what it means to be born again. It's not physical, it's spiritual, which is what Jesus goes on to say in verse 4. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Great question, right? Can I go, like, no visuals, please. (laughs) Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, He cannot enter the kingdom of God. He can't have his innocence back that Jesus was talking about with the children. Because the children have the innocence that gets them to the kingdom of heaven. But unless your spirit is born again, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. Verse 6. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from and where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. You know what I think he's saying? He's saying you can't walk around You can't walk around in public and say, that person's spirit's alive, that person's spirit's alive, that person's spirit's alive. You can't see it. It's spiritual. But the truth is, is that everyone's spirit is either dead or alive in Christ. Because Jesus conquered death so that we could conquer death spiritually. When Jesus came out of the grave that first Easter morning, He did it so that you could be born of the Spirit and become what's known as a spiritual infant. And that's what we're going to talk about next Sunday. We'd love for you to join us. Stand to your feet. I want to pray with you. I hope you're glad you came to church this Easter. I hope it has nothing to do with how good the music sounds or how good the lattes are. By the way, lattes are free today. 
pictures are free today. We, wanna, we just want to be generous. Because God is generous. But a message like this demands a question to be answered. That question is simple. What about your spirit? What happens when you look in the room and you see your spirit? Is it alive? Or is it dead? The only way that it is alive is if your faith is in the one that came out of the grave, that took death head on and conquered it so that your spirit can be alive inside of you. But you know what's great about the spirit coming alive inside of you is when the spirit comes alive inside of you, you realize that it has nothing to do with what you do. But it has everything to do with who you become. Because when the spirit comes alive, you become spiritual. You start to see things in spiritual things. You start to see differently. You start to understand God's word as truth. You start to see people as lost or forgiven. You start to see the way God sees. But until the Spirit of God reveals to you. Because the only way that it happens, God's word says, is if he reveals it to you. It's not what Adam says. It's not what the refuge church does. It's the spirit that reveals it to you. And if he reveals it to you, then we praise God for that. But it's all his doing. So you stand up against the wall with a spiritual ruler. Where you at? Is it dead? Let me help you understand by asking you a few questions that would, that would indicate if your spirit is dead or not. Do you feel broken? or lost? Do you live out of how you feel? Do you feel like there's got to be more? There's got to be more to life than this. I believe that if the answer is yes to any of those questions, maybe it's because you haven't called on the name of the Lord Jesus to be the king of your heart, to bring that spirit back to life, to transform you from the inside out, not the outside in. Because the gospel, it's an inside out thing.
as you answer those questions, would you do me a favor? Would you bow your head? I didn't do this in the first service. I'm going to do it in this service. With your head bowed and your eyes closed. How many of you would say, Pastor Adam, the Spirit has revealed to me that my spirit is dead, but I want it to come back to life today. Thank you. Would you do that by raising your hand? Would you just let me know, Pastor Adam, that's me. My spirit is dead, but I want to call on Jesus to bring my spirit to life. Thank you. I see that. Anybody I'll put, raise it high. There's a lot of people in the room. I can't see it. Thank you so much. Anybody else? If your hand is raised or if your hand was raised on the card in front of you, when you fill it out, would you mark on there that you're following Jesus or you're recommitting to follow Jesus, that your spirit is now alive? Because this is only one decision. Life is a series of decisions. And tomorrow morning you're gonna wake up and you're gonna be different because the spirit is inside of you and you're gonna need help. We wanna help you. This isn't one and done. This is lifetime. If you raise your hand, would you say this prayer with me? Say, God, maybe you didn't raise your hand. Say, God, I know I need Jesus because he died on the cross for my sin. He took on my death. Forgive me for my sin. Thank you that Jesus didn't stay in the grave, but he came back to life. And today, I know that my spirit can become alive in him and through him. Transform me from this day forward. In Jesus' name, I pray.